Welcome everybody who might be new tonight. Thanks for coming out. And I know it's been, it's kind of the middle of the semester. Some people have uh, midterms. Some people are over midterms. Uh, some people are in the middle of midterms. Some people are so burned out with midterms, they don't even know what midterm means. Uh, but uh, we're glad you're here uh, to, to uh, come away for just a little while during the week to, um, to sing these songs, as Logan was talking about, to, that proclaim these truths about God and ourselves. And, uh, and also to think about the Bible, think about the Gospel. And uh, really, that's what we're all about here. And so this whole series is really all about Gospel-driven relationships. And we've been talking about um, the creation and how God created man and woman. Uh, we've talked about the garden. We've talked about the fall and why relationships have such trouble. Last week, we talked about friendship. What's biblical friendship? And we looked at the story of Jonathan and David and uh, their amazing friendship uh, way back in 1 Samuel and how they uh, uh, were delighting in one another, uh, admiring one another, how they were committed to one another through good times and bad, and ultimately um, how they sacrificed for one another. Jonathan giving away his position basically to David. And uh, and all of those things we can see in the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. And he's really he's really the ground floor and the basis and the motive and the power uh, to love another person. So whether it's loving your friend or whether it's whether it's loving your future spouse, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, the what we want to get across ultimately here in this whole thing is that God is love and He's called us to love one another and uh, love. In the biblical sense, doesn't always look like, and it's radically different from the way the world looks at love. And so tonight we're going to look at Galatians five, and uh, this is kind of what I'm calling spirit-filled relationships or spirit-filled dating. And uh, and next week we're going to have a guest speaker. Actually, my brother Chuck is going to come and 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 speak and preach about marriage, and he's been married for about 38 years, so. Maybe he'll have some good some good examples. Uh, he's been a great brother and and friend and, and really a mentor to me. So I, I look forward to him uh, coming out and uh, and speaking with you guys and, and and to me. So if you have your Bibles or if you can look up here, we're going to look at Galatians chapter five, um, thirteen to twenty six. So hear God's word. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another, by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, not talking about Yankees, Orioles, dissensions, divisions, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This ends the reading of God's Word. So there was a lot in there. Uh, and I want to go back and back and just kind of talk about what I would call uh, situational dating or even, even modern dating. Did you guys know that dating, even that word, was really not in our vocabulary until around 1914? That's when kind of the modern dating uh, scene kind of came on, came on the scene, so to speak, that... That traditionally, you know, um, it was more like courting in America. You know, you would see the farm girl down the road and you would talk to her father and you would go over and sit on the porch or maybe even go into the parlor and you would get to know the family and, and you would ask for the, 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 the farmer's daughter's hand in marriage, okay? And uh, really, the whole dating scene was more in the family, seeing each other, Maybe a church in the community out in the field picking corn. I mean, it was very much, uh, uh, you know, kind of within the culture and in the society and in the home, so to speak, in the home and in the circles you ran in. And then kind of as the 20th century developed, the, the, this idea of dating and the independence of, of American culture kind of came on the scene. And basically then dating and relationship development became more of let me take you out to dinner or out to a show or out to entertainment and kind of take you away from your family and then go and do something um, by ourselves, entertain ourselves, etc. And, uh, you know, as, as the culture developed and as people got more and more money and that sort of thing, that's the kind of thing that happened. Um, and so I want to kind of talk about uh, typically kind of what happens uh, often in, I would say, like modern dating relationships, um, you know, you tend to meet someone, um, you're attracted to them, uh, you have the guts maybe to actually not just text them, but call them or talk to them face to face. You start hanging out together. Uh, and typically kind of what happens is there's a mutual attraction. Uh, there may be some mutual interest and some friendship. But you go immediately into what I would call hanging out a lot. Uh, and to some extent, I'm speaking from my own uh, history of, of relationships, and many of them failed relationships. Um, and hopefully I can, I can give you some of these ideas. You may have experienced some of these things that happen. Uh, you begin hanging out a lot. You basically don't define the relationship until way, if ever, but you're with each other. Uh, you may go steady, and it's kind of like you pretend to be married, but you're not married. Does this make sense? Has anybody ever experienced that? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, but it's like you have all the rules of marriage, but you're not married. Uh, you do things together. You spend gobs of time together. You, you text, you talk, you communicate. You're excited about one another. And what slowly happens often is that... Um, you uh, tend to become enmeshed in this relationship, but yet there's no definition of the relationship and there's no commitment that, yes, 
I want to pursue you and I'm going to go forward in this and uh, let's see where this goes and let's pray about it. It's usually just a lot of hanging out. And uh, typically, um, you begin to see situations that happen where you kind of uh, take yourself away from your other social circles of friends often and that you won't schedule something maybe on a weekend because so-and-so might call or they might do something. And so then you wait uh, until that happens and uh, you, you become um, kind of not available to your other friends. Um, and then if the other partner does something, you can feel resentment and jealousy that they didn't do it with you. Uh, but yet again, there's no real definition. Uh, there's all the benefits, so to speak, of marriage without the cost or the commitment. Um, and, ten- and as this goes on, it tends to go physical. Uh, it tends to become um, not just holding hands, but uh, maybe further uh, sexual intimacy uh, that, that, that you might be involved with. You might become very uh, emotional and, and connected. And yet, again, there's the benefits of marriage, yet without uh, the commitment and without the love. Uh, and this leads to lots of confusion. Um, if you would put a bar chart of different aspects of your relationship, um, if, if it goes towards the physical, physical contact, I'm not even talking about sexual intercourse or anything like that, but holding hands, a lot of making out, etc. What, ha- what tends to happen to our hearts is we are very physical, emotional creatures. And if that on the bar chart is up here, and the friendship and the mental and the spiritual are down here, you're in for trouble. Uh, you're in for a lot of confusion. Uh, because this one aspect of the relationship is dominating. And maybe call it infatuation or whatever, but it can get very confusing and people can get very hurt, very hurt in the midst of that. Um, there's often a lot of uh, unwritten rules going on. You feel jealous. Uh, and this is kind of repeating. If he or she is talking with another person of the opposite sex, you have an unhealthy view of the relational boundaries. Um, when someone new comes along, a guy or girl, and maybe you would like to get to know that person, there's a lot of jealousy and a lot of... Uh, 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 the, the inability to do that. But yet again, a lot of times the relationship's never defined. The benefits of marriage without uh, the commitment and the cost of commitment. And, and so it gets very confusing. Maybe you've experienced relationships like this. Uh, maybe you've broken up. Maybe there's been just deep hurt. So there's been a lot of things, like especially in Christian culture, that have come on the scene and said, let's protect everybody. Maybe, let's go back to that that society of courtship, and let's get the fathers involved. Let's interview. Uh, let's let's have you come over and sit in the sitting room in the parlor, and we'll we will try to figure this out. And th- that might be good. I'm not. Say, I'm trying to be. Um, I'm trying to get, paint a picture of how sometimes the pendulum swings because dating, in the modern sense, even in the Christian circles, can become so confusing that. 
There's often books written about, let's go back, let's do a more traditional view, let's, let's do this more in a group setting. Some people have said, let's kiss dating goodbye altogether and let's make it group friendship and then all of a sudden, boom, you get married. I don't know. But there's all kinds of different views of, of this idea of dating. And, uh, the, one of the things I was reading, uh, there's a girl by the name of Lauren Winner. Um, who's written a lot on, on dating, sexuality. She's a believer. She's a converted Jewish woman that's a Christian. And she's written a lot on this. She's lectured a lot on this. But she talks about how if you're 38, you're a woman, you're single, and you're in a different city than your parents, courting is going to be kind of very hard in that situation for that person uh, to do that. Um, to some extent, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work in that setting. Um, but... What I want to say is there's always risk. So call it what you like. If you want to call it courting, that's fine. If you want to call it, you know, kissing, dating, goodbye, and just figuring out a different way altogether. If you want to go, uh, maybe the, the, the regular way of like seeing a person, um, beginning to date with them, go steady, uh, fall in love with them, get engaged, and get married. Like, I don't want to put a box in terms of like this is this is the right way and this is how you should do it because i think that one of the things that galatians is all about is the freedom of the gospel and uh and that if we draw lines or say this is the only way you can do it and everything else is bad every way has its downside and every way probably has positive things so you might be coming from all kinds of different spectrums or maybe even your family or parents you might have different ideas and that's fine i'm not trying to punch holes in anything. I'm just saying that ultimately it comes down to following God and risking uh, to get involved in a relationship and to set boundaries early. Uh, but all of that has to be done by faith. And so Paul says in his passage in 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. How do you use your freedom to date or not to date, to love somebody or not to love somebody, to get involved in courting or dating, traditional sense, or kissing, dating, goodbye altogether? How are we to be as people? How are we to love uh, one another? And so what I want to talk about tonight... Uh, from this passage is the fact that the goal, really, in all of our relationships should be to bless the other person. To really serve and love the other person, as it says in this passage. Um, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, verse 14. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and before that, uh, but through love serve one another. That the goal of a dating relationship or a friendship is the same. It's to serve another person. It's to love another person. It's to put another person before yourself. And so we love and serve others by ultimately being a blessing to them. Now, in this passage, um, this is Galatians, okay, that we're talking about here. And if you know anything about Galatians, it's all about the gospel of grace. Okay, Paul is saying, um, do not be enslaved by the law. Don't think that you can be justified by the law, uh, but you are only justified, you're only made righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and what He's done. And so He's making this argument that 
we are dead in our sins uh, and that the only hope that we can ever have to be changed and to be changed from the works of the flesh, which this passage talks about, and to do right is when our hearts are set free by Jesus. When they're set free from the bondage of sin and we are given a new life and we are given the Holy Spirit in us. And so Paul is making a huge distinction here about our old life, our life in the flesh, and what that involves, and this new life of the Spirit and how we walk in the Spirit. And so this is crucial for relationships. This is crucial for for you to think through and for me to think through that God calls us ultimately to something way different um, than what the modern traditional dating scene is like and the mixed up thing that it is. Um, He's calling us to really be spirit-filled in our relationships with one another and to evaluate our lives based on this. Based on are we walking? We we just we just sang the song about walk with me, Lord. Are we walking with the Lord? Are we walking in the Spirit in our relationships, or are we walking in the flesh? And flesh in the New Testament is not your skin. What flesh is is uh, your sin nature. It's your your heart that seeks to serve yourself. Your your heart that says no to God. And yes to me, your heart that takes everything out there and says it's for me. And so Paul is talking about putting that to death, um, living by the Spirit, and crucifying uh, our, our flesh to the cross. And so we can only do that if we, if we truly have the Gospel. Uh, we can only truly love another person if we truly understand what Jesus has done uh, for us on the cross and setting us free from ourselves um, to live by the Spirit, to put to death the flesh. And so, a lot of what I want to say tonight is like, help. <laughs> we need Jesus. We need His Spirit. Or else it's all going to fall apart. We need God to evaluate and the Holy Spirit to evaluate like Paul... like. Like David said, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the truth. Walking with Jesus, walking by the Spirit involves thinking about these things deeper, thinking about your heart, thinking about why did I do certain things. And in relationships especially, they become the furnace for our sin nature to explode. Okay? Uh, They become, because you have another person and made the image of God in close contact with you. And uh, so they're going to see your sin. They're going to they're gonna bring about things you never knew you had inside of you. You know, that's one of the things about when you're in a close relationship with somebody, um, it's interesting how much you see your heart revealed. These desires, the jealousy, the envy, these different things. And so let's go down through here. So first thing is this. Being a blessing means um, loving others. Uh, by our heart, by by um, first getting the gospel in our hearts, and so in verse 24, um, Paul says, "Be filled with the Spirit." And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and his and its desires. And he goes on to say this: crucifying the flesh. What is the flesh? He mentions this. He says, "Biting and devouring one another." In verse 15, that. Within the church, within these relationships, um, people were prone 
to bite and devour one another. They were prone to tear one another down. Uh, An unhealthy relationship has this aspect. It's not loving. It's not serving. It's not building up. It's literally biting and devouring one another, being consumed with one another. Um, That the flesh inside of us is ultimately powerful enough to destroy and to devour. That's what he is saying. And so the list here that Paul gives for the flesh all spring from frustration in relationships. He talks about things like enmity or hatred. He talks about strife. He talks about jealousy. He talks about fits of anger. He talks about rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. Let's talk about anger. Where does anger come from? Where does, where does this idea of uh, dissensions and divisions come from? Well, typically, anger comes when what? When we're frustrated by someone. When typically, when someone doesn't do what we want them to do, we fly off the handle. In fact, right here tonight, right before this meeting, we had a situation where we, we, we were, I was standing right here and one of the gals from the info desk came in and said, hey, you guys don't have this room until 7.30. And it was like 6.40. And, uh, and immediately in my heart, I kind of wanted to argue. I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to say, but can't we do this? Can't we do this? Can't we do this? And ultimately, we couldn't do that and we had to go stand outside and let them clean the room. Um, but in my heart, what's going on? Well, oh, this is RUF. Like, we have to be set up. We have to practice. We have to do our thing. We have to, like, you know, put, put forward a good face. Well, that's, that is all, like, of the flesh. All of that's of the flesh. All of that is saying, me, 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 me. I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to trust the situation. And say, you know what? You're right. Um, we will just go in the back. I mean, we did go, but it wasn't, I was not gracious in that. Relationships, interactions, they bring about anger. We see down deep, we see, what am I actually trusting? Well, I'm trusting Chris to look good with RUF. You know, to have everything here looking good. Well, that's, that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. The spirit is, you're absolutely right. You know, we will go outside, do your thing. Thank you for letting us be here in the first place. We really appreciate you. How can I serve you? Totally different. The agenda of the heart. Anger comes from not getting what you want. And so it puts you at the center instead of God. Uh, It puts you at the center instead of God's will, not Jesus. Uh, It comes from a heart that's saying, I'm at the center. I need you to to do this or that. Um, In your relationships, do you see anger arise? Do you see arguments arise in your relationships? Where is that coming from? Well, it's coming from a heart that is going to the old self, the flesh, the sinful nature. Uh, jealousy and envy kind of come in the same way, coming from the heart that says, I have to have what I want or I'm going to be miserable. I want what you have. I'm not being satisfied in what God has given me. I need your car. I need your GPA. I need your girlfriend. I need what you have. Then I will be happy. Jealousy, envy, um, I want your talents. I want your education. Um, Jesus is not enough. The gospel is not enough. I've got to have all that. That's what's going to ultimately make me happy. And so it's competitive. It comes from the heart of flesh. Jesus says the heart of flesh needs to be crucified. 
uh, with him. Uh, what's the opposite of anger? Or, or okay, so so there's these ideas of anger, biting and devouring, divisions, dissensions. Um, the opposite of that is the next section, the fruit of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace. The gospel of Jesus fills us, and we then organically. It's, it's kindness, <laughs> it's goodness, it's gentleness, it's self-control because the Spirit has changed us. Because we've seen we're a big sinner and that we're helpless and we need Christ. And so, the fruit of the Spirit comes out of a heart that knows Christ and knows the Gospel. Um, this, is a, this is a story from my past. Um, so, uh, when I was at seminary, I really liked this girl who uh, I met... I don't know, through a mutual friend or something. She's a believer. She loved Jesus. Uh, she, she was involved with uh, some mercy ministries. Things I was kind of the mutual. Uh, we were doing some mutual things together. I was very attracted to her. Uh, we started doing a few things. Went on a hike. I got lost on a hike with her. Like somewhere near Six Flags outside of St. Louis. If you've ever been there. If you've ever been to Six Flags or been in America. We were like hiking in the woods. We got lost. Um, there was another time where she was involved in like this, uh, it was kind of like a mercy ministry fair at an elementary school, and they were raising money for like the church, like for the poor. And uh, so I was helping her like set up this thing. But when we got to the school, it was locked. But me, being the person I am, like got in one of the doors of the school. But little did I know that it also set off an alarm in the school. (laughs) And here comes the police car. Uh, wondering what's going on, who's breaking into the school. Uh, everything worked out, everything, everybody was fine, but what was I doing? Again, I'm trying to like be the man here, I'm trying to like win this girl's affection, you know, and what's that, and I'm trying, you know, I'm breaking it, I'm breaking and entering into an elementary school. I did not go to jail, everything's fine. Uh, so it, it ends up where, I, I came to the point where I was going to have the DTR, okay? And uh, we went out, grabbed a bite to eat, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, hey, I really appreciate you. I'm interested in you. I'd like to pursue a relationship with you. Um, what do you think? And uh, she was like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. I'm not there. And uh, I was devastated, okay? So after, you know, several weeks and just like kind of, she, she had my attention, no doubt about it. And uh, she said, you know, she just wasn't there. And so, like, I, like a puppy dog, like, went home. Um, I was fine. Uh, so, so I get home. So I get home. It gets better. It gets better. Uh, so I get home, and I, and I lived with a couple other guys. We, we were going to seminary together at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. And uh, lo and behold, now I guess I'm, like, I'm devastated. I'm, like, telling my one roommate, this guy was also seeing this girl. And in fact, even that night, they were having like, they got together, I think that very night. I was devastated. I felt like, here's the dagger in the back. Like, you're my roommate. Uh, and, uh, and so I was, I was heartbroken. I was devastated. I was mad at my roommate. Um, you know, all of these things. Now, um, ultimately, so there's all these emotions. There's all these things that are going on inside of me. But, you know, Ultimately, what it means to live by the Spirit in that situation is to understand that God has me. You know what? Even though it didn't work out with this girl, that's fine. We got to know each other. 
she is free in Christ to either, you know, go forward with the relationship or not. My roommate is absolutely free to pursue another girl. I had to like evaluate what is going on in my heart. Um, they were God is absolutely sovereign and in, in control. You know, nothing is outside of His plan, and so you have to come to the deep realization that God has it, and you have to you have to find your life and your strength in the Spirit. Uh, my hope, my joy, I'm loved by God. I'm in His family. I'm adopted. I'm a son that He loves. Even though this didn't go my way, that's okay. That's what it means to live in the Spirit and then go on. And I'm still good friends with this guy. Like, we, you know, we got past that. He, he didn't marry her or anything anyway. Like, he, she married somebody else, went to Colorado, and he married some girl from Australia. Uh, so, you know, but you have to go through this and say... Um, what is going on? Like, what is my heart doing? Um, am I living by the Spirit or am I living by the flesh? Because I could have just said, that's it. I'm never going to like talk to this guy again. I could be angry. I could punch a hole in the wall or whatever. By God's grace, I didn't do that. Um, being Spirit-filled means I, that you know you love Jesus and you want to be a blessing to people. You cannot control them. You can't control or manipulate another person. Um, and, and it's wrong to do so. Um, you want to trust in the Lord and pray like crazy and ask His will to be done and not try to manipulate or get things uh, for yourself. Being a blessing to a sister or brother in Christ means that you have to love and respect them, serve them, enjoy them, build them up, but you can't control them. You can't control their decisions. Um, and we often make another person our Savior. And, and ultimately, if we think, oh, if I could just have that girl or if I could just have that guy, then my life would ultimately be happy. And again, that is like a Savior mentality. Jesus is the only one who can ultimately love you and, and give you what you need. If you put that weight on any person, you will destroy them. And they will let you down. And uh, you will have you will be miserable because you'll always be looking for a person to save you and make you happy instead of Jesus, so that then you have resources in order to love another person. Um, Proverbs says that houses and fields are from parents, but a wife is from the Lord. And you can switch that around. A husband is from the Lord. Ultimately, God is in control, and you can pray and go forward, but it's up it's up to God. Um, Secondly, by, uh, by treating others with sexual purity. There's a lot in here. You bless another person by treating them with sexual purity. Uh, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and then later on it talks about orgies. Even orgies were back then. Um, they've been around for a long time. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, as a believer... You know, we are called to treat people with purity as a brother and sister in Christ. I mean, the Scriptures uh, are clear on this all over the place. Um, You know, God uh, gives us this wonderful gift of sexuality, and we're probably going to talk about that separately uh, in in one of these these weeks. Um, But when we take this beautiful gift and we take it out of the way He meant for it, we can do incredible damage. It's like putting chocolate syrup in a gas gas tank. It's 
you know, it's just not meant for that. And so when you take sex out of its proper context of a committed married relationship between a man and a woman, it blows up because sex is something that God has made for, for, for His glory and, and to be almost like the glue of a marriage. Uh, it's almost like a, a renewal commitment uh, ceremony when people engage in sexual, uh, sexual love in a marriage. And so Paul is making it very clear here that uh, sexuality outside of that context is, is wrong and it's sin. And so just to kind of define this, because I feel like we need to define this in our culture, um, ever since Bill Clinton especially. Um, sexual intercourse, I mean, uh, you know, having sexual intercourse with a person who is not your spouse, that's, that's wrong, that's sin. Getting naked, doing everything else other than sexual intercourse, that's, that's sex. Oral sex, masturbation, um, solo sex is what Jack White calls it. Mutual masturbation, anal sex, all these different things, okay, are outside of God's plan when it's outside of the marriage and the commitment. Um, it's a serious thing. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, you know, why is sexual sin so powerful? Why is it so tempting? Because we're made in the image of God and we're made as sexual beings. Uh, he's made us this way and it's a big part of who we are. And sexual intimacy is one of God's greatest gifts. It's one of the greatest things He's given us. That's why you all are here today. Okay? I mean, it's, it's something that, that God has given to His people for their enjoyment, for the procreation of the world, for the flourishing uh, of, of culture. But when you take it out of its context, it can be very messy, very destructive, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, uh, you know, when we engage in physical sexuality, like in the dating relationship before marriage, it's like writing checks with your body uh, that, you know, you, you, can't, you can't cash with your commitment because you didn't make a commitment. And it will destroy, it, it has the power to really destroy you. Um, so it means seeking purity, to not treat your, your date, your friend as an object. Uh, uh, to fulfill your lust. Uh, but it means to see them as person made in the image of God, a brother, a sister, who you want to lift up, you want to love, you want to um, um, pursue them in holiness. And to realize they're not yours. Again, they're God's. They're God's girl. They're God's guy. Um, they're, in fact, in our own body, it says, is not our own. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 6. Just before this, he says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Um, so, as you think about your physical relationship with people, um, and I don't want to draw too many lines, but sexual intercourse, getting naked, oral sex, these things, like these are, these are to be enjoyed with your husband or wife in marriage, um, not outside. Um, and so maybe you failed in that area. And, you know, um, that's the beauty of the gospel. There's, <laughs> there's grace. Like these are not sins that are outside of what God forgives, okay? Like, we've all messed up. We've all done things. We've all lusted uh, mentally, okay? Uh, we've maybe struggled with pornography and whatever. 
These are these are similar things that we need Christ for. We need the gospel of grace, um, and we need His forgiveness. And so, if you if you failed in that area, Jesus says, "Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden. Come to me, confess, and uh, you're forgiven, and you're and you're um, you're given um, His righteousness." And uh, um, David in Psalm 51, I love that prayer. He talks about creating me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. He cleanses us. David, here's the thing about the Scriptures. David, one of the top heroes of the Old Testament, murdered and committed adultery. Like, you know, in our minds, you know, we might have like, as like that's crazy. He did those things and he was like one of the, like God said, he's a man after my own heart because he, understood his savior and he understood his sin um but also too as we think about sensuality the the passage mentions sex and sensuality in a relationship that that might means that you are looking to um you need to think about in your in your dating relationship like if you place maybe the sexuality or the eros which is uh the latin word uh for uh sexual love maybe you've placed that as like on the bar graph like way up here like our culture does that like she's got to be hot he's got to be hot uh, or else i'm not gonna have anything to do with him and that becomes like what you judge all people by that needs to be brought into like the lord's hand you need to like say god is that the flesh or is that the spirit like am i judging people um and just overlooking them as a really good friend and i'm putting all my hopes on the way the world thinks about beauty. And so th- this is hard stuff. This is like we need our hearts changed um, by the Spirit. And we need to see who people truly are. And we need to say, God, let me see, like let me be totally attracted to a girl who has the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like those things. Like can you see those things? Are those things more important? Because I guarantee you that if it's all about the sex and it's all about the chemistry and that's the main thing after like you know a year or so that's going to wear out and you're going to be like where's the love joy peace patience kind like where's these other connections you know that's that's why you have to go deeper deeper than the skin how else do we serve people uh by being a ble- or being a blessing means let your yes be yes and your no be no. And some of this stuff, I was talking with Christy about my friend Kevin Twitt, who, who was their campus minister. He talked about this: being a blessing and let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so this kind of goes back to the beginning illustration: don't lead people on. Don't lead people on. You know, don't write checks that your commitments can't make. Uh, don't be spending like all this time and all this energy and giving gifts and texting and everything if and like developing this relationship and friendship and then not really mean it and not really then have the DTR and say I really want to pursue you and see if God wants us to be married you know you have to treat them as friends until you can figure out now there's got to be risk in it but uh, you need to be very clear whether or not you're leading people on. Uh, what are you doing? How are you spending your time? Are you uh, in physical contact? Even holding hands, hugging, kissing, whatever, And but yet you're still in this, like, I'm not sure stage. 
that's that's a dangerous place to be because you're going to hurt someone. And it might be more like your actions, time spent, deep conversations without any kind of physical, but you may be saying by all those things that the girl might be thinking, oh, he really likes me. He's talking about all these things. He's spending time with me. He's texting me. He's calling me. Um, he must really like me. Um, and she's being led along. In fact, in the Keller book on marriage, Kathy Keller, Tim Keller's wife tells this story, and I'm just going to read it here, but they basically went down the same road. Kathy Keller had been, um, before she was married, had several relationships with guys where she would, she would have all these deep conversations and connections, and she would think it was going to go somewhere, and then all of a sudden, like, the guy would, like, he wasn't thinking that at all, but she was thinking that he's going down the road to commitment. And so then she meets Tim Keller, and uh, the same thing started happening. And uh, so basically, uh, let me read this. Um, However, there came a time in our relationship after we had known each other for several years. Okay, so this friendship is building for several years. When Kathy saw the same thing happening and gave me the, quote, pearls before swine speech... Though we were best friends and kindred spirits, I was still hurting from a previous relationship that had ended badly. This is Tim. Kathy was patient and understanding up to a point. So he's like, I guess, crying on her shoulder. Um, But the day came when she said, look, I can't take this anymore. I've been expecting to be promoted from friend to girlfriend. I know you don't mean to be saying this, but every day you don't choose me. To be more than a friend, it feels as if I've been weighed and found wanting. I feel it as a rejection. So I just can't keep uh, going on the same way, hoping that someday you'll want me to be more than a friend. I'm not calling myself a pearl, and I'm not calling you a pig, but one of the reasons Jesus told His disciples not to cast pearls before swine uh, was because a pig can't recognize the value of a pearl. It would seem like just like a pebble. If you can't see me as valuable to you, then I'm not going to keep throwing myself into your company, hoping and hoping. I can't do it. The rejection that I perceive, whether you intend it or not, is just too painful. It got Tim's attention. It sent him into a a time of deep self-examination. A couple of weeks later, he made the choice. And uh, voila, they're now married for probably 40 years. Um, But I think this is a great... A great story because this is what can happen. If you're spending a lot of time, if you're conversing a lot, if you're sharing deep things, if you've known each other for a long time, um, and you know you're opening your hearts up to each other, and you're being vulnerable to each other, and you're being intimate in your conversations with each other, you need to make a decision. What's going on? Uh, because you're going to get deeply hurt. You need to let your yes be yes and your no be no. You can't just string guy or girl along forever. And so, um, don't do that. The last thing is this. Uh, and there's lots of other things. I'm just, I was just trying to touch on a few things here. Being a blessing um, and serving means having some patience. It means having some patience with people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. The old word is long-suffering. And so, one of the keys to a healthy relationship, as I have like had the great opportunity to do pre-marriage counseling for people, and is like how are you how are you at working through conflict? 
uh, when, when things happen in your relationship that are hard, issues come about, anger surfaces, are you patient? Are you saying, Jesus, help me to be patient, help me not to run? Because whenever there's conflict and issues, people tend to do a couple different things. One is they run and they hide and they don't want to deal with it. The other is they just yell and, ah, and they try to, you know, depends on kind of your family and your history and how you've grown up and that sort of thing. But are you patient with one another? A healthy marriage, a healthy relationship is where you talk things over. You um, are long-suffering. You recognize that you're not perfect. You're a sinner, and this person's uh, a sinner as well. And uh, they're not going to be perfect. And you need to be patient with them and trust God. And you need to avoid holding grudges or or running or becoming angry uh, with an unrighteous angry. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And why? And how do we get that? Well, we get that kind of patience because God in Jesus was patient with us. It always goes back to the Christ and the cross. Um, you know, God was long-suffering, um, not wanting any to perish. Um, he was patient with us in Jesus. He could have just said, yeah, you sinned, you're gone, you're done. But He doesn't. He, he, he longs for us to repent. He longs for us um, to, to come to Him like the prodigal son coming back uh, to the Father. Um, and so, patience is saying, Jesus, You've been so patient with me. You've loved me as a big sinner. And uh, I need Your Spirit so that I can be patient with this other person and, and, and be long-suffering and not running. Um, Our culture hates patience when it comes to relationship. Our, our culture flees at the first sign of a problem. Um, you will fall out of like with, with, with who you date. In fact, uh, I'm going to close with this. <clears throat> uh, this is from Keller's book, and it has a C.S. Lewis quote too. Whoever you marry, you will fall out of like with them. Powerful feelings of affection... And delight will not and cannot be sustained. It is quite typical to lose the head over heels feeling for your mate even before you get married. Because our emotions are tied to so many things within uh, your physiology, psychology, and environment, your feelings will ebb and flow. If you follow our culture's definition of love, you may conclude that this can't be a person you should marry. Our culture glorifies romantic passion, and so we say... If this was the person for me to marry, my feelings wouldn't be so up and down. Here's what C.S. Lewis writes. People get from books the idea that if you have married the right person, you may expect to go on, quote, being in love forever. As a result, when they find they are not, they think this proves that they made a mistake and are entitled to a change. Not realizing that when they have changed, the glamour will presently go out of the new love just as it was out of the old one. You'll find the same things taking place. What's the solution? The only solution is have your heart changed by the Spirit. And, and to recognize that you need Jesus more than you need a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. You need Jesus first. And He's going to empower you to give you the strength and the motive to love people even in hard times and bad even, and to be patient um, with yourself and to be patient with them. Um, because God's in the middle of it. He's in the middle of these relationships, and He's sovereign. Let me pray. Jesus, thanks for 
the cross. And thank you that Jesus, you, uh, you died on that cross to crucify the flesh and not the, the sinful nature that we all have and to give us hope. Uh, Lord, would we see Jesus as more beautiful than anything? And would, would you give us the power and fill us with your spirit so we could display uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our relationships with each other, with a special guy or girl, uh, with a future husband and wife. Lord, that You would give us Your Spirit, empower us. We can't do it. We admit that we are dependent on You. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing. One up. Wow, that was long. Can you stand up, everybody?